Ladies in America, we are the source. All right, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Levy's America. I'm your host, Bobby Levy, and I just want to thank you so much for tuning in this week. This is a brand new show, brand new idea I had within the last week or so to have a weekly podcast where I look at the national news, I look at the local news, and give my take on them, and have people come on the show as guests so I can better understand what's going on, and hopefully you can get a better insight of what's going on in our country. So before we jump into today's show, I just wanted to introduce myself a little bit. I have been involved in New York City politics, especially here in Staten Island, for just about a year now. I've knocked on doors, worked on numerous campaigns, thankfully have been a part of so many great organizations, and we've done a lot together. They're leading the way in Staten Island, they're leading the way in New York City for conservative voices, for the Republican Party, and for Republican candidates, and this feels like the next step in putting that all together, vocalizing these thoughts, and getting it out there on the internet for people to listen to, people to engage with me over, and ultimately so our party, our movement, can gain more traction, and we can influence and change exactly what's going on in this country. So today's episode is titled America at War, and that might seem a little alarming for a debut episode name, but it's true, and it's going to be the driving force behind this entire podcast and all of my political work even going forward. We're at war in this country, and it's time we start acting like it. I'm not talking about a physical war. I'm not talking about a civil war. I'm talking about an ideological war. And one side is using its powers and millions of dollars to suppress and silence all opposition. And more times than not, the other side, we just kind of take it. We sit there and we don't do anything about it. But it's time for that to stop, and it's time for that to change. We need to go on the offense. We need to take the tactics that the radical left is using. Hell, we should be the ones canceling these people who want to cancel us. And we need to get these people who don't care about our country, we need to get them the hell out of Washington, we need to get them the hell out of our city councils, and we need to get them the hell out of our state assembly. Because if they're not putting American values first, if they're not putting their constituents first, then why the hell are they representing our country? So today we're going to focus on a few of these strategies and tactics used by the radical left to suppress people, to suppress thought, to suppress debate, and to control and keep their iron grip on all of their spheres of influence and even their grip in the government and the supermajority we have here in New York. So here are three different examples in the news lately about how they're using these tactics to influence us and to change our way of thinking. I can't even believe that this is a real story, but earlier this week, Nicki Minaj became the face of right-wing politics on Twitter, and she's been trending throughout the week. She got suspended for a little bit, and it all started with her putting out this tweet on Monday. So she says this, My cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married, and now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. So the gist of this is Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend, gets the COVID vaccine, and now his balls are swollen. This poor guy, I mean, I feel so bad for him. The entire world is telling him, get this shot, stop the spread, care about people, care about yourself. So he finally does it, and look what happens. His balls literally swell up, and now he's impotent. And and, and the icing on the cake with this whole story is that his fiance leaves him basically at the altar and just walks out of his life. But the reaction people are having to this is insane. 
they're saying, oh, he probably had an STD. He, he was probably cheating on her, and that's why she left. There's no evidence of that. What we see is he got the COVID vaccine, and a side effect, which I would say is probably the worst one imaginable, this guy just happened to get. So Nicki Minaj has been getting a ridiculous amount of hate over this, and it's not because she's sharing this guy's story. It's because of the last part of the tweet. She's saying, pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision and not bullied. Now, this contradicts everything the left-wing loonies are pushing with these vaccine mandates, which is exactly why Twitter and Jack and all of his staff in the war room are freaking out that Nicki Minaj is being so outspoken about this. The World Health Organization, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, the mainstream media, and all of these left-wing conglomerates, they don't want you to think for yourself. They want to spoon-feed you this information. They want to spoon-feed you these numbers and the horror stories of the 0.001% of all these cases and make you think that's going to happen to you. In her words, not only what they're doing is bullying people into getting this vaccine, but they're using fear-mongering and they're using other tactics in the media to pin the vaccinated against the unvaccinated to the point where if you see somebody without a mask on, automatically, they're going to start screaming at them. I mean, we see videos of it every time. Someone in Walmart's without a mask. They're being followed around and screamed at by some soy boy with his mask on and his third dose of Pfizer. And this is going to continue to be the new normal that the media and all these people keep talking about unless we do something about it, unless we stand up to these tyrants, stand up against these unconstitutional mandates, and hold the people that are making them accountable. I mean, look here at what's going on in New York City. As Curtis Sliwa calls him, the dope from Park Slope, Mayor Bill de Blasio, the tyrant of New York City. He's going on television saying, if you want more freedoms, you have to get vaccinated. And then he goes on to do his little spiel of eating a donut or a burger in his Nets hat and his Nets jersey. Like, that's going to appeal to any New Yorkers at all and make them want to get vaccinated. The scariest part about it is that he openly is saying this stuff and nobody's batting an eye. Nobody's reporting on it. I mean, the mayor of one of the largest cities in the country just openly said, if you want more freedoms, you have to do this. Regardless of what the this is, in this case, it's obviously get vaccinated. That should be an alarm that goes off in every American's head that says, my personal freedoms are under attack. We need to do something about this. Otherwise, what's next? What are my next freedoms that I'm going to lose? Now I can't eat dinner with my family. I can't go to the gym without being vaccinated. What's next? And this is exactly what that ideological warfare that I was talking about before fuels off of. There's now a personal consequence as a direct result of disobedience. You don't do what they say or what they deem is correct, and you're going to pay the price. And for many New Yorkers, that price is their job, that price is their business, and that price is their livelihood. They expect us to pay this price in full without even thinking about it, without even questioning it or fighting back. They just want us to stay at home, collect unemployment, sit on your ass, and just let the government take care of you so you have a complete dependence on the people that are in charge. And now when the government, whether it's local, federal, whatever level it's at, when they're putting these social consequences as a result of disobedience, it goes against every principle that this country was founded on. But luckily for me, I'm living here out in Staten Island where people are not putting up with this crap. We have a good number of our local politicians, all Republicans, by the way, whether they're in office or on the ballot on November 2nd, they're going out there and they're helping these local businesses. These local businesses banded together and created the Independent Restaurant Owners Association Rescue, and they brought forward a lawsuit suing the city against this unconstitutional mandate. They're, they're calling this latest mandate arbitrary, irrational, unscientific, and unlawful. That's exactly what it is. They're 100% right. But unfortunately, a judge the other day declined to grant a temporary injunction against these mandates, so it went into effect on September 13th. 
but it's not over. It's not stopping yet. We have great guys like Rob DeLuca, one of the local restaurant owners here on Staten Island, who is going on Fox News. He's going on Newsmax, and he's explaining what they're doing here because we know it's not going to end here. I mean, look what the dementia in chief Joe Biden is saying. He's flip-flopping on, I'm never going to impose a mandate for the vaccination. He's coming out in his speech last Friday, and he's going out of his way to talk about imposing mandates on federal workers and trying to pressure more unions into mandating the vaccine for their workers. And this is another one of their tactics, a tactic they've been doing for decades, is they're getting these deep state political elite appointees in office They're getting these puppets that they control in office in order to do what they're doing now. They're trying to suppress debate. They're trying to suppress due process. And in some cases, we're seeing it. They're limiting the political minority in this country, which just so happens to be the Republican Party, from being able to even have a seat at the table, let alone speak at the table. Now in New York State, what they're trying to do is the Democrats in control are trying to redistrict because they know they're going to lose the House in 2022. So they want to try to hurt as much Republican districts as possible through drawing these outlandish lines and moving the boundaries so far out of district in some examples that there's no chance these districts are ever going to swing red. They're not going to stay purple. They're most likely going to flip blue. And what this means is that these districts are now going to be in Democrat control for the first time in years, and they're probably going to stay that way for years. And this is all thanks to the horrible job done by the disgraced former governor, Andrew Cuomo. It sounds so good to be able to finally say former governor Cuomo. I mean, it's about time we got rid of that sleazeball. If he wasn't sexually assaulting women, he was killing grandparents by sending COVID cases back into nursing homes. But earlier this week, this independent redistricting commission, quote unquote independent, they met And they saw the maps proposed to them by the GOP and the Dems. And after the meeting, they made the maps public with the new assembly districts and new congressional districts. And without seeing and reading which party posted which maps, you can immediately see who was responsible for what. I mean, the Democrats completely redrew upstate New York and even parts of downstate. The district I live in, New York 11, which is represented by Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, was introduced to southeastern Brooklyn places like Coney Island and Brighton Beach, which if you know anything about traveling to Brooklyn from Staten Island, it's a nightmare to get there. On a good day, it's going to take her an hour and a half to see those constituents, to view those problems, and to try to give solutions to these people. And that's why they're doing it. They're doing it to punish her. They're doing it to punish the people she represents for voting for her, because she went against all odds. She beat the Democrat machine. She took on their multi-million dollar slander campaign, and she beat their puppet, Max Rose, with the help of Staten Island and South Brooklyn. Now, since this meeting, not much has been said. We don't know where the independent commission stands, but it looks like they're going to be in a deadlock. And when it's in a deadlock, it goes to the state legislature and they vote. And whichever map they vote on is the new district map. And since we live in such a supermajority Democrat controlled state, the Democrat map is going to go through. And that has a ton of implications for us, not only as a state, but also us in red districts that like our Congress people, that like our state assemblymen, that like our state senators. There's a chance that we can now have new representatives because of the way these maps are drawn. So I'm going to welcome this week's guest and the first guest ever on Libby's America. He's a great friend of mine, Sean Abraham. I've known him for years. He's the secretary of the Staten Island Young Republicans, which is a group very near and dear to my heart. I love them. So, Sean, I'm so glad I finally get to have you on the show. I know we've been talking about getting this off the ground. I know you've been looking at these redistricting maps for the ADs and stuff like that. 
What can you tell me about what's going on? Thank you so much for having me on your first episode. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Thanks, man. Listen, you know, the the first thing you have to look at is where these maps are aligning towards. So the commission, let's like look into the background. The commission is authorized by the state, you know, the governor to create these maps based on census data, right? So as you've most likely have heard, um, we lost one congressional seat. Now, that happened because we needed about 75 or 100 more people Mm -hmm. to keep that seat. We lacked that, so we lost a seat pretty big deal because you know now they have to move stuff around now apparently after this new redistricting procedure was done it looks like it's going to be in the middle you know we're actually mm-hmm. democrats are gaining one it's a, like minus four republican plus five democrats so mm-hmm. it's a net gain of one for democrats right so for new york 11 staten islanders the democrat map actually adds coney island to yeah. nicole's district which makes absolute no sense because you know to get to coney island from staten island you have to go through another person's congressional district to get to coney island so it it doesn't make any sense it's an hour and And, a half drive it's crazy and on top of that you got to realize they're doing this to kick nicole out of congress Mm -hmm. well it's one of the biggest deals and that's actually why um it was just released today politico did an article on this max rose is planning on coming back because you know, if these redistricting things happen and if these um, Democrat map comes into play, Nicole would have a tougher race. I mean, that's the whole thing with redistricting. You know, the Democrats have a supermajority, you know, in the Senate and the Assembly. You know, they have a lot of power. They have they're the majority in both places. Right. So mm-hmm. they will have the end all say all in these maps. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's so interesting because I know we, we've been talking a lot about this. And, and like you said. At the independent right. commission met, it's they, they didn't come up with something. There's no finalized map. And right. I've been hearing if there's no compromises made, it goes to legislature, right? And they vote on right. it. So what does that look like? Is it they vote on one of the maps or they can change it a little bit and fit what they want as right. legislators? How, how does that look? So let's put it clearly. You know, the commission is in charge of making a map, making sure, you know, there's two sides, Republicans and Democrats on the commission. They both have to come together to make a map. They failed to do that this time around. So the Democrats released their own map. Republicans released their own map. That's not good. So now the legislature mm-hmm. is in charge of making that map. Now, the Democrats don't have to go by the commission map at all. They can throw out the Democrats map and even gerrymandered even more. I mean, everyone has seen you know the weird gerrymandered mm-hmm. shapes and districts. And the Democrats and the legislature can easily screw up the map, make it more blue, and kick a lot of our legislatures out, you know, make it harder for them to uh, win again in the next election, next cycle. Yeah, that's that's so interesting you say that. I mean, this brings up my next question for you. How is this going to affect us in local races, whether it's state assembly and Senate, Congress seats, these heavy Congress races? 2022 is going to be so important. It's going to be so crucial for the conservative, the Republican effort to win back the House, which I, I do think we're going to do. But like you said, for New York Republicans, this is this is almost a nightmare yeah. for us. Sure, sure. I mean, I'm confident as well that we'll win back. I mean, I, I really see that we're heading in that direction. But again, it's going to be a tough race, tough, tough race. Nicole, for example, now has um, Coney Island and that Democrat map and the Republican map. It's basically intact her district. So, you know, if the Democrats plan on adding more area. Let's say it's like Sunset Park or Coney Island. It'll lean more blue and it'll make it a, a tough race. And people like Max Rose, who, you know, Nicole beat 
in the previous election. He may have a better chance of, you know, earning more votes. You know, he even has a primary election as well. He has other people running mm-hmm. against him, like Brittany, for example. So she will have a tougher time because there will be more Democrats in that district. It's it's gerrymander one, gerrymandering 101. And um, same thing with their assembly. Um, mm-hmm. I was looking at Cusick's seat, for example. There's some little play going on around the bridge. I, I have to look more into it, but they added parts of the bridge. They cut off parts of the bridge. There's some stuff past Gothel's bridge. It's super weird. The shapes aren't straight. It's not normal. It's, it's super yeah. jagged. They're doing this to, you know, solidify and help their base stay in power. And it's BS. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. I mean, speaking of the 63rd, which is Cusick's seat, it went down pretty far south. Uh, it went down towards Arthur Kill. It went yep. down towards uh, the Village Green area in Arden. And now right. that area is completely taken out. That area is put in Mike right. Riley's district. I right. think, if anything, that helps keep the 63rd locked. I mean, we saw a very close race for the 63rd Assembly right. seat last cycle. And I think this is a direct result of that. Right, right. No, uh, even one of our um, one of our buddies in, in our YR club, he is a part of Riley's district, but with this new map, he is now represented under uh, Cusick. But, you know, you got to realize the Mid-Island area or the 63rd district, the, the main crux of the district is, I guess, turning purple. You know, mm-hmm. back in 16, it was red. 18, it was kind of blue-red. And it, it's 2020, it was pretty blue you know it's 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 heading that direction you know there's a huge population of people in our neighborhood who are voting towards democrats i mean there's a big population that's expanding in the 63rd district and for that reason it's going to be tougher it's going to be really tough i mean even if they add a little bit of south shore um i don't know you know the end of the day you got to realize these gerrymandering these districts they're all being done to help their buddies you know cusick is a He's he's been in in, in the assembly for a while. He's so a political deity on the island. He's people know who he, he is. is. I mean, he is the chairperson of the um, Democrat Party. So yeah. they want to make sure he stays in power. And to mm-hmm. do that, it's gerrymandering one on one. Make sure his district stays blue forever and ever. Right. That's what it is. And nothing we can do about it. We don't have the uh, majority, or we don't have that many people in assembly or senate. You know, Republicans. So it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. And I know one thing you mentioned, and we'll end with this, going back to the congressional seat, New York 11, or whatever number they're going to give us now, it's interesting when you look at it, they took away North Bay Ridge and some of Bensonhurst from us. If you look at it, it kind of just follows the Belt Parkway. And I think that was done for a reason. I mean, think of Brooklyn and Staten Island. Most of Staten Island came from those areas, Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, into Staten Island, South Shore, Mid Shore, some North Shore. They took that away and they gave us a new part, Coney Island, Brighton Beach, and some parts of uh, Eastern Sheepshead Bay. That's not an accident. Why do you think Mm -hmm. in particular they took away those places in Brooklyn and gave us others? What, What would you say is the main indication? You know, I was looking at... 2016 and 2020 presidential election data, right? So this is presidential election results from 16 and 20 in Coney Island. And what's shocking is 16 went to Trump. You know, Coney Island went to Trump. It wasn't a big margin. It was like, I want to say maybe a plus four, plus six. It, It was pretty small, but some areas of Coney Island went to President Trump in 16. 2020, the area went really Biden. 
So I'm thinking that, listen, it's most likely because they know that that area is turning more blue. They're expecting bigger turnouts. They want to solidify or they want to make that district more competitive. And for that reason, they're giving her Coney Island to prevent Republicans from you know, keeping that seat or making it harder for them. It's just to make everything a pain in the butt for Republicans here in Staten Island. That's why it's important that we elect Republicans, keep them in power, fight for them, and make sure that we have representation because we're lacking that and we need Mm -hmm. that. And we can only get that with the Republican in our seat. Sean, pleasure as always. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And you heard it there, folks. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Sean. Um, We need to keep this seat in particular new york 11 red sean is a fellow young republican i think it's it's our effort in staten island and new york city to deploy and make sure we we look at these gerrymandered seats and we we fight for these seats so that they can keep their constituent base they can stay in office and and like sean said we need to have them to fight for us because we're locked in a super majority in the state and even congressionally we need to win back the house and I, I don't think we can afford to lose any seats, but that's beyond the point. I'm going to leave it at that for this week's episode. But for more daily reactions to breaking news as it happens, be sure to follow me on Twitter at real underscore Bobby underscore Levy. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I've been Bobby Levy. This has been Levy's America. And may God continue to bless and watch over our republic.